The Once and Future Nerd is independently produced. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, visit onceandfuturenerd.com support to find out how you can help. Listening to this show on an iOS device? Leave us a rating on iTunes, please. Once and Future Nerd Book 1 Princes of Jordan Chapter 5 The Worthiest Knight Episode 2 The Well-Groomed Lemming College Pub Hate to say it, but there's a good chance Nia would have come here. Brennan and Regan were surveying the scene of a recent fire in Armstrongard in search of their missing companions. A glint of light reflected from a pile of ashes. Brennan reached for the source and came up with a gilded arrowhead. One side was engraved with the Gwenlatal sigil, the other with the mark of the Elven High Council. Yellowing. They did come this way. Without warning, Brennan grabbed a random pedestrian by the cloak, nearly pulling her off her feet with his intensity. What's happened here? Fleming burned down. Gee, thanks. We can... Fucking God. No, I don't know what happened. Wasn't God, though. Everyone get out? Fucked if I know. But what else can you tell us? Look, I've got my own shit to worry about. What do you think I am? A supporting player in your life story? With a parting rude gesture, the woman disappeared back into the crowd. They were here, then the place burned down. There's no coincidences in this city. Perhaps the night went something like this. The tavern was filled with students discussing studently matters. Right, sure. My studies are about how House Gwernetal is the greatest and most righteous of the great houses, said one of the students, obviously trying to impress a young lady. I agree, but tell me more. That's when the Kjeldir and the others entered. I read a story like this. Silence. You less of a man than I? <laughs> oh, how clever you are, Billy. Then, some student, deep in his cups, attempted to court young Jin. How is it that I've never before gazed upon your beauty? I respect myself so little that minor insults require mortal combat. Have at you! Billy lunges at the man, knocks some candles onto the sawdust on the floor, and there you have it. No, no, no. I know this town. If some kid no one ever saw before got in a fight and burnt down the lemming, it'd be all these people could talk about. Let's see if we can get closer. The pair dug through the ashes for a few more minutes. They received some odd looks from the owners of the tavern, who could not understand why two strangers were searching the remnants of their livelihood, but they were kind, or frightened, enough not to mention it. After a moment, Regan identified a spot that appeared even more charred than the rest of the wreckage. I'm guessing it started here. You remember what this used to be? Girls' room, I think. Here's what happened. Studently matters, right? Yeah, uh, book learning, book learning, book learning. Oh, I'm so impressed. You want to congress me? Is that how rich people say it? Congress me really hard against the wall out back. Then our gang comes in. I read a story like this. I like tits. Whatever you say, sweetie honey sugar pie. Oh, how's how's that? Why don't you go find seating while I visit the privy? I need to wash some library dust out of my criminally neglected fuckhole. So she's in the girls' room when three stupid pieces of shit, you know the kind, think buying a knife's the same as knowing how to use it, kick down the door. 
probably looking for me. You've been seen with the Thief Queen. And because we're gutless spineless bugs with extra tear ducts where our gonads should be, we're gonna beat up on a preacher and some kids to get to her. So Nia gets out her staff, says some flame spell. Need a light, boys? I thought I was bad with words. Your grace. Best I could come up with. Whatever. Fuck you. That account is possible, but there'd be some sign of a struggle in here. Probably outside as well if there was a window. Nia would have tried to lead them away from the children. Shit. Regan spotted a glint in the ashes. She bent down to retrieve the remains of Jen's compact mirror, obviously charred and melted. She was probably just in to use the privy with Nia. She would have tried to warn everyone. Regan ran out into what was the main hall of the pub, literally following her road of thought. Which means coming out here and trying to get out through the crowd. Brennan followed. If they were smart, they would have looked for an exit over... With a sharp <laughs> crack, Brennan's foot fell through a weak plank in the floor. Whoa, you all right there? Thought that sound might have been your hip. I've fallen out of better shape than your grace will ever be in. Brennan groaned as he struggled to lift himself up. Quite the fall, huh? As Regan helped the old general to his feet, it became apparent that weak plank which felled Brennan was actually the lid of a trap door, hidden beneath the ashes. Nelson. Regan improvised a torch from the rubble and hopped down. Brennan rubbed his bandaged arm for a moment and then followed. Earlier that day, before the fire, the well-groomed lemming was indeed populated by students of Armstrong Guard College. I regret to say that there was no congressing occurring on the premises, however. Nia, having frequented the pub herself as a student, had in fact led our party to the lemming's doors. If we're not going to the rendezvous point... You mean the city gates, also known as city guard barracks? I was going to say there's the practical matter of how we'll find the general. I just need a chance to think. With exaggerated nonchalance, Yellowine removed a golden arrowhead from his pouch and dropped it in the dust outside the door as the group entered the lemming. Let's hope he's learned something about tracking from his time with me. Inside, the tavern's clientele were not in fact discussing studently matters, though they would have been on most other days. Today, however... I don't know, I just heard someone kill the guardsman. I bet there's someone here who can give us a side quest. I think we got enough to deal with already, Nobstain. But experience... and items... Not knowing what else to do, the group sat down at the nearest table. They waited in silence until the barmaid came to serve them. Haven't seen you in a while. Brandy, for the love of Galadin. Taken aback, the barmaid hurried off. The silence stretched interminably, until abruptly Jen leapt from her seat. So sudden was her movement that her chair was thrown back, startling the group as it clattered to the floor. I gotta pee. You want Nia to go with you? Nope, I'm good. Just as swiftly, Jen stalked away towards the privy. Billy and Nelson stared at each other for a moment. If either hoped to find an ounce of understanding of the girl's mind in the other's face, they were both sorely disappointed. Instead, they turned to Nia in unison. She withstood their silent pleading for only a moment before she rose from her own seat. Blast it. As she headed towards the privy, Nia passed the barmaid returning with the brandy and some glasses. Without breaking stride, Nia grabbed the bottle of liquor and took a large swig directly from the bottle. Jen stood at a water basin in the washroom. For a few moments, 
She simply stood and stared at her own hands. They were still coated with Sergeant McShane's blood. She considered her stained hands, front and back, before slowly lowering them into the water. She scrubbed slowly and methodically, as if in a trance. I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. No one would deny that the world is better off without him. Look, I, I know what you're trying to do, but don't, okay? I said it before. There's no shame. I'm not ready to talk about it. I need some time to myself. Don't let it fester, Jen. When Jen didn't respond, Nia turned back to return to the boys and the brandy. Jen continued to scrub her hands in solitude. After a moment, she withdrew her compact mirror from her handbag. After considering her own reflection, she placed the mirror onto the basin. Once more, she raised her hands in front of her face, focusing intensely. As she focused on her hands, there was a strange sensation in the room. To a mortal, it may have seemed like a hum or buzz, but seen, felt, and smelled rather than heard. Nearly imperceptible at first, it grew in strength, and as it did, Jen's hair rose from her head. With a sudden snap, a tiny spark flew between Jen's outstretched fingers, and then another, and another in quick succession. Startled, the cheerleader stumbled backwards, knocking the wash basin onto the floor. As she fell, the humming and the sparks suddenly stopped, although not before one fell to the sawdust floor of the privy. The sawdust, ignited by the spark, went up in flames unbelievably quickly. Jen stood and, realizing there was no more water available, ran back towards the main room of the tavern. In the privy? How is there a fire in the privy? Who cares how? Students were tearing and clawing at each other in a desperate attempt to reach the building's main entrance. Nia grabbed Jen by the wrist and started running in the opposite direction towards the storerooms in the back of the pub. I know another way. In the pantry, Nia shoved aside some sacks of potatoes to reveal a trap door in the floor. She swung the door open. Not yet having learned his lesson about jumping into strange holes, Billy was the first through the opening. Yellowin hesitated, however. It's safe. Go. Moments later, the entire party was crouched in a narrow tunnel, some distance away from the well-groomed lemming. Rather, from the remains of the well-groomed lemming. I think we're past the scope of the fire. Okay. Even I have to ask, why does the college bar need a secret passageway? Armstrong Guard, as we now know it, is built atop the ruins of a much older city. An even more chaotic city, if you can believe that. Which reminds me, Jen, would you like to explain how the fire started? No, thank you. Nia tried to retort, but was cut off by Yellowin. This I... can wait. Sound carries too far down here. And with that, our party set off shuffling along the dank underbelly of Armstrong Guard. The elf dropped another golden arrowhead in the muck. Several hours later, Brennan and Regan emerged from the tunnels beside a canal. As they stepped into the sunlight, the old general stooped to grab Yellowin's 14th arrowhead. And when I set it off and the vault walls blew, there's this kick of hot air right in the guts. Bam! <sighs> oh, got me wetter than flood season on the Abagoya. 
Very good, Your Grace, but need your every story contains such intimate details. I ain't been laid in like a month. Give me a break. Their path led to an old, rusted gate. Regan vaulted the gate and opened it from the other side. As Brennan passed through, Regan looked around to get a sense of where in the city the tunnel released them. Well, shit. This is right by Fallon's place. Fallon? Jackie Fallon. Guy I knew as a kid. He runs that inn over there. Let students and shit stay there for dirt cheap. Philanthropist. Gods, no. The more people come through here, the more he's got his finger on the pulse of the city. Information's better than gold if you know how to sell it. My purse is a bit light since the castle. Don't worry. My credit's pretty good with him. Do me a favor and don't tell me how you earned it. The trick with Fallon is to tell him just enough that he thinks he got something valuable. You throw a couple little clever lies in there, he can be pretty useful for throwing someone off your trail. Jackie Fallon's inn was crowded, but on the whole much cleaner than you might have expected from Regan's recommendations. Jackie Fallon himself was working the bar when he spotted Regan as she entered. Well, send me to celebrate and call me Sally. Didn't know that was your thing, Jackie, but I'm game. Jackie decided he could no longer ignore the old man who had entered with Regan and now stood beside her, looking woefully out of place. Hey, fella. Brennan was searching for the proper response when Regan stepped in to save him the trouble. This here is my squire. <laughs> what squire? You ain't no fucking knight. That's what they call whores in some places. He's a whore. My whore. At this moment, Brennan may have preferred to have not been saved the trouble. Go grab us a table, squire. I'm gonna catch up with the proprietor of this fine establishment. As Brennan left to do his queen's bidding, Jackie pitched his voice slightly lower, so their conversation would not carry to any prying ears. So, you like him halfway to the grave now? <laughs> I was just fucking with him. He's a mark. I'm supposed to be helping him find Galen's old crew. So, what's the word? You mean other than McShane getting ganked? What? You're shitting me. Where the fuck you been? That's the talk of the town. Clearly, or else you'd never tell me for free. You know, I almost missed you. I'll throw you another freebie. Any word on who did it? Some girly nobody knows. Regan knew of some girl nobody knows whose last whereabouts were coincidentally right where McShane was murdered. Regan did not believe in coincidences in Armstrong Guard. She did well to hide her surprise, however. Probably one of his kids grew up and learned how to use a knife. I got another juicy little morsel about the whole thing. That's so? I'd be willing to part with it if you tell me why you give a fuck. As it happens, I ain't given a fuck in far too long, but I'd sure like to. Jackie Fallon matched Regan's rather transparent grin with a somewhat regretful smile. Sorry, kid. I'd like to help you out. But... You ain't hurt. Jackie lifted a hand up from the bar to show Regan a pewter wedding band around his finger. No fucking shit! What poor soul actually has to stick around with you the morning after? You remember Angie? Remember? I knew her before you did. Quite the catch though, Jackie. Nicely done. Well, I thank you. But I'm afraid it's gonna have to be coin or tell me something I don't know. As it happened, Regan was short on coin at the moment. She scrambled for a convenient lie to tell, but was saved the trouble by the arrival of Jackie's bride. Angie Fallon looked haggard from a long shift waiting tables in the tavern, but her face brightened at the sight of Regan. Is that who I think it is? In the flesh. Feels like forever. You all catching up? Suddenly a thought occurred to Regan as to how she might better facilitate the flow of information. 
Her smile widened imperceptibly. Yeah, we were just talking about you. Leaving some things unsaid, I hope. <laughs> a married woman still allowed a few secrets. As is her husband. Tactfully left unsaid by either was... Um, how shall I put... Uh... Oh, fine. Regan had bedded both of them at one point or another, but neither knew this about the other. Well, I ain't ever been married, but sharing a secret can really tighten the bonds between people, don't you think? Guess that would depend on the secret. <laughs> well, to have that effect, I suppose it'd have to be really quite intimate. The kind of secret you're really scared of the other one finding out, but... You still stay up late thinking about it some nights? In case you're the sententious type, I'll spare you the details of the next 74 minutes. Though I suspect Regan herself would be quite happy to tell the tale in graphic, graphic detail. What, you're not gonna tell the details? No, mortal, this is my story. Okay, so we started with something called the Thirsty Rabbit. Suffice it to say, it was a much calmer Regan, at least by her standards who rose from a small upstairs bed and quickly jumped back into her clothes. Mr. and Mrs. Fallon, on the other hand, were far too exhausted even to move, their faces blissful mirrors of contentment. So... Who popped the sore on the world that was Jamie God's damn McShane? I don't know. But, uh, I do know uh, there's a knight looking for her, too. Regan raised a single eyebrow. Green falcon on a white field. With a wink and a small bow, Regan left the couple alone. As she retreated down the hallway, she was followed by sounds coming from the room she just left. Apparently, Jackie and Angie had found another well of energy. Regan returned to the public room of the inn and found Brennan. The old general looked less than pleased at having been left to himself in this place. His skin also had taken on a clammy ashen pallor. Bad news. Don't look at me like that. Killed a lot of birds with that stone. Well, stones. Pretty nice ones too, far as they go. Uh. You wanna smell my fingers? Brennan chose not to respond. He took another small sip of ale and wiped at his brow, which was sweating more than one might have expected given the temperature in the bar. You don't look so good, Grandpa. Probably something I ate in this pit. Oh, shit. How's your arm feeling? It's fine. Let me see. It can wait until the children are safe, Your Grace. So, yeah, about that. I found out what happened at Bailey's. Remember that piece of shit I told you about? McShane? Somebody stabbed him. Damn it. Billy? Maybe Nelson, but I doubt it. Damn it! Word going around said it was a girl. Matched Jen's description. No. That strains belief. Doesn't mean she did it, just means everyone thinks she did. It would be madness for them to split up. But that means the greater part of the city guard will be looking for them all. Not just God. Do you know anyone who flies a green falcon on a white field? As ill as Brennan had already looked, he managed to turn a shade more pale at the mention of this standard. That's Sir Jasper Freeshelm. Ardell Redmore's executioner. And the only man to ever best me in single combat. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. 
The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira and directed and edited by Christian Madeira. It is performed by Rhiannon Angel, Garrett Armin, Dan Dobransky, Lily Drexler, Hayes Dunlop, Anya Gibeon, Ian Harkins, Paul Notice, Frank Querez, and Julie Reed. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Alex Story is an associate producer. The Once and Future Nerd is recorded by Brian Forbes at the Gallery Recording Studio in Brooklyn, New York, with second unit production sound by Gary O'Keefe. Foley, sound design, and post-production mixing is done by Sandro Ramirez. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading. 